join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. So, first of all, cool name, Poison Rouge. I really like it. How did that come about? You want to? I need to tell <laughs> <laughs> um, So, uh, my husband Greg likes to fish out in Point Ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going on the way for us going to New Orleans. And um, that was one of the first French words that he could really say. Uh huh. You know, Poisson Rouge, or you no, know, it was a Poisson, the Grand Poisson, he would say. Uh, we did French immersion in Nova Scotia, and you couldn't speak English or any language at all or you would get um, kind of like conduct marks and sent home. So it's kind of like the Cajuns here. Our grandparents, even we're in a classroom right now, um, they got hit and, you know, verbally abused and humiliated for speaking French. Really? Yes. And so um, I forgot where I was going with that. But, oh, in Canada, Nova Scotia, it was kind of the same thing, but you weren't abused. You were just sent home if you couldn't handle just speaking French. Mm -hmm. And so um, I come from a very French family, about half. And um, and I grew up here speaking f French with my grandparents a little bit. And so my French was a little bit more, you know, uh, cultured or what's the word for it? Bigger vocabulary. <laughs> I did have a bigger vocabulary. So I can kind of communicate with people a little bit more. And Greg's already a funny person. So everybody laughs at his responses. But he would um, say only simple words like grand and poisson. Mm -hmm. So, and we all thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so it ended up being the only thing I could say, because once you go to the program, you sign a contract saying that you'll only speak French and it's a five week program. And so, and, and they give you warnings, but in the beginning, uh, the only thing I could really say was like, grand poisson rouge, like that was it. And so then when it came time to put the band together, um, I think I jokingly kind of said, what about Poisson Rouge? And Carly, thinking that Carly would say like, no, nah, that's a dumb idea. But she didn't. She's like, hey, this is a cool idea. And so we stuck with it. Stuck with it. Yep. That's cool. I'm actually descended from people that came from Nova Scotia, oh. but they, I believe they say Trahan. Yeah, I saw your last name, Trahan. Yeah. So I've always, I mean, people, everybody around me said Trahan, that's how he said it, but we weren't ever living in Bayou country. Or, right. You know, so. But um, I always thought that was that was cool to uh, have a connection to your roots and be able to carry it on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and spread it honestly. Yeah. You know, through teaching, <coughs> it's really cool. Um, so I, I jotted down a Acadian flair. Um, the the style of music obviously comes from your roots and your upbringing. Um, I wanted to know what you experienced, uh, both you as children around your house. What kind of music was playing? Was it constantly uh, something of French descent or was it a little bit of everything? Well, growing up, I grew up in Alexandria, um, which is a weird part of the state. You know, it's not like it's too far north to be like South Louisiana, but it's too far south to be like extreme North Louisiana. Yeah. But I remember as a kid growing up, um, going with my, grand with my grandmother 
and listening to um, like Rock in Sydney, like some old Zydeco people. And uh, I just remember that being a, a part of growing up and then um, just always being interested in music as a young age. Uh, I grew up, I was in my high school band program and then I played guitar, I was in like rock bands and stuff growing up. And then going to college for music, um, getting into some jazz, I play bass, playing some jazz stuff, um, and just being involved with different groups. What's, what we're coming to realize with this group is that while we are like Cajun, Zydeco, Creole genre, all those influences that we have growing up um, come into play because it's not just Kylie and I that are music teachers. We have other people. The other, the rest of the members on our band come from a like they have a, a like a trained music background too. Whether that's been like just a music major in college or even or music teachers. So okay, it it kind of creates this. When uh, Jude, his dad was the bass player for Belton um Richard. Yes, Belton. Belton Richard. I was going to ask what started it all because <coughs> a lot of times people become musicians because of they got a dad or an aunt or right. a mom or an uncle that, you know, somebody's playing music. I think that's what's music. unique kind of about our band and us being educators is because um, we grew up doing, we, you know, we listened to music. My mom would always take us to all the festivals. There is a festival for every single thing in Louisiana, especially right. South Louisiana. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were going to Festival International when it was just a stage or two. Mm -hmm. And now it's huge. And then, uh, I mean, but on the radio, we listen to normal stuff. And then whenever you enter into band in school, then you're opened up to that world. And I was exposed to jazz, um, same as you. And so we enjoyed playing, you know, trumpet or he played bass in jazz bands. So then in the back of your mind, you have that influence in all these jazz musicians that you've been listening to for years and years and years. Sure. I know one is I love is uh, in New York. Um, I think he's New York or Boston, something like that, Adam Rapper. Mm -hmm. He's an awesome trumpet player. And so then that funk that you like and all that, I find it starting to enter into our music because we had that upbringing. There's no musicians in my family. My dad kind of fiddled on drums, but uh -huh. it's not like most uh, culture musicians in our area. Um, they grew up in a household where their dad or mom or grandparents played. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get that experience because our, our parents do not play. Right. So our love of music came from school activities and then going into college and continuing those things. And so um, I've actually only been playing accordion for four years. Not very long at all, considering, mm -hmm. you know, I played trumpet or French horn for God knows how many years. Um, so whenever I went back to UL to get my master's, I told them I'm, I'm done with the band stuff. Like, I don't want to play French horn anymore because it doesn't serve any purpose. I'm just teaching music. I'm not really playing music in that um, genre, you know, classical music or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. And so then they allowed me to start according because UL is one of the only schools, well, a few schools that offer traditional music. Oh, okay. And they didn't, the first time I went, the year after I graduated, they started the program. Oh, okay. So, and then... When I was getting my degree, we needed a bass player, so he kind of came in, and that's kind of how it took off. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that, uh, like for your instance, gaining more music experience um, outside of the home, uh, do you think that kind of uh, expedites the process of bringing more 
of, a, of different genres into traditional music or, or the translation of. Do you see what I'm saying? Because you, like with you, you were hearing more traditional music because it was in your home and uh, you found it outside of the home and you were finding it on the radio and, and like you were talking about in school where they didn't even treat, well the first year, they didn't teach traditional music. Right. Um, because I, I feel like genres borrow from each other and they kind of, yeah. some of it translates well, some of it doesn't. Um, you know, a lot of people say everything starts with the blues, for right. instance, you know, and then you, you have rock and roll uh, that, that draws off of it. But so for, for your style, uh, Poisson Rouge style of uh, traditional Cajun music, um, do you think there's a tinge of something else coming into it, do you know? I do, and I think I like to think that you know just the progression of music or of any genre, um, you always have those those bands that that push push the meaning. And we were talking about this while setting up. It's like, well, what do you call yourself? What genre would you be? Or um, sure. Uh, and going back to say, like we we absolutely are not afraid to let our previous musical experiences influence the music that we write now, mm -hmm. while still tr while still trying to stay true to the. To our roots and genre like that. I don't think we have any song that you could listen to as like, man, that, that doesn't sound like Louisiana music. Um, right. I, I think that, we, and I think we do a really good job of staying true to that. Yeah, we were just had practice last night, and uh, I was fussing because I said, well, you know, the song or the tempo, you can't dance to it. I, I grew up as a big dancer because I sure. didn't play accordion at the time, and it's it's a social music, it's a dance music. Absolutely. You know, so to me, that is very important. Whereas sometimes, like jazz, um, you know, and I did Lindy Hop dancing in New Orleans. I, I do some clinics and stuff. Um, they have social dancing too, but they also have just chill. Chill and listen and absorb it and take it in. But um, for the most part, Zodico, Cajun, and Creole music is, is dance music. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you want to be involved with it. So I think we, we evolve it. It's naturally, you know, it has an evolution, mm -hmm. but it still sticks to, to a core. Of, right. of Zodico music. I wouldn't always say that we're Cajun just because a lot of Cajun and Creole has the, the fiddle. We don't have that. Yeah. So we have more rubber and, you know, more Zodico. I think what's interesting too, two things. One, uh, especially at least with my family, music and food always commemorate any event. And you come together for one or both, you know, and um, everybody's involved, right. you know. Um, the second thing you were talking about, it was honestly, what's interesting to me is that you feel a responsibility to remain true to your roots while you're still open to the idea of letting other genres influence where you go from here. Whereas I would say previous generations might have been all but forbidden from even considering such a thing, you know? And it, it kind of, I understand why some people might forbid others from doing that in previous generations but I think it kind of it hinders creativity a bit you know well we talk about that often because I mean I love Cajun I love it all but the Cajuns tend to stick to all those standards so a lot of times you go listen to a Cajun band and they're all playing the same songs because they're playing the songs of the past and it's sure. great for um, preserving our culture and that means a lot to them probably because a lot of the abuse that they experience whereas I find the Zodico musicians um, you know, people are complaining, well, that's not Zodico because it sounds more R&B these mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's like Lil Nate was telling us, um, who was it? Uh, the Shaneers. Mm -hmm. You know, they started 
their style and then it evolved and then now you have Keith Frank who is you know the king of Zodico doing his thing and then you have people like Lil Nate you know they're starting to do this R&B style it, it, there's influences there and there's nothing wrong with that but other people well, I guess that's my opinion but other people will say oh well that's that's not this or that's not that but um, I think for us we don't really say okay well I'm gonna make this um, infused with this genre or that it's just our music has always been about who you are so way, that's who I am yeah. I grew up with in jazz band and him too so it just naturally meshes yeah. yeah, you know we don't go out seeking it and um, the old Cajun people or Creole people whenever they were singing songs it was about who they are and the challenges they faced you know it represented their lifestyle at that time sure mostly their story so right. I feel like musically it kind of represents our story we're not trying to do it on purpose sure but that's a natural evolution I, I think yeah and, and I read I was just down a Facebook rabbit hole the other day on a, on a musician forum and I read this post that this guy had made saying how as musicians we have to make music for the music that we make has to be appealed to other people and I sat and I thought about that for a little while and I thought how much I disagreed with that statement and how it applies to us is because by just staying still and putting yourself inside that box like if we said we can only do traditional this type of music whatever that genre is then now that that spark and that creativity is gone and that growth is now depleted you can't sure. go anywhere with that so I think I think that we have to make I think making music the kind of music that we want to make and if you like our music that's great that's awesome thank you so much for listening to our music but if you don't like it then you know that's cool too you Quite know simply yeah. right Move I mean on. <laughs> right right and you think about something else like every time you sit down to make lunch I'm not making lunch for an entire community yeah you know I'm, I'm not gating i'm not gonna eat a sandwich today because you don't like that like that's that's yeah. kind of weird way to think about it so um i think just i like i'm super proud of the fact and carly said this too that we we stay true to what we want to do we, we make it fit and i think we make it fit well but you know there's some degree it's like take it or leave it sure i think um you, you also mentioned kylie earlier that uh, a lot of these I guess if you want to call them covers, but the, the traditional songs that you keep hearing over and over again are telling stories of their ancestors. So I think maybe if that particular band is coming from the place of uh, a custodian of, of, of history, you know what I'm saying, then, then it makes sense to them to remain the same all the time within these lines. And maybe it's not for others, you know. Right. I, I all right. If, if my grandparents played certain songs, mm -hmm. I would absolutely say, well, my papa played this and I'm going to play it too. You know, so I could still see it, how people would do that. That's just, that's just not us because that wasn't our upbringing. So sure. everybody's right to do however they want to preserve the culture or, you know, we're all Cajuns and Creoles mm -hmm. or French, you know, Louisianians and you're going to carry on the tradition however you see fit sure you know who what's your lineup right now i saw a washboard in, in one of the videos who do you have playing what we have carly or oh, and carly and i are married so carly is our songwriter singer and plays accordion mm -hmm. um, i play bass carly and i have a songwriting process where she'll write the words and the lyrics and the main melodies and i'll come behind and add some chords and stuff like that and then we have um 
Jude Pryor, who's our guitar player. Okay. Uh, Bradley Gayo, who's our um, frottoir or washboard player, mm -hmm. and uh, Mr. Scott Domain, who's our uh, percussionist. Okay. So five of us. And he's also, if anybody listening wants to check out Nock Shaw's, he's a Cajun comedian yeah. as well. Oh, well, you better spell that. Donk <laughs> is N-O-N-C. Uh huh. Shaw's C H A U. How he spells it? C H A U Z. With a Z. Yeah. So with a comma to the is top. Just like thing. Like okay. This Shaw's and that's yeah. Shaw's. This yeah. thing and that. You know, <clears throat> everything could be a Shaw's. Sure. Right. So, yeah, but um, it makes it. You see, I'm laughing already. It's hard to do a gig when you're the front person and you have all these couillons in the back. They always cutting up and. Uh, it makes it fun, though. But yeah, we have a good time. Oh, of course. Yeah, I don't absolutely. think it was ever meant to be serious in the first place. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. Not at all. Y'all, um, from what I gathered, are playing a lot of festivals. I mean, I know you mentioned, I think Louisiana has more festivals than there are days in the year, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that sounds about right. But, uh, and, you know, which is amazing. It's fantastic. But um, so y'all are getting a lot of gigs through the different festivals throughout the course of a year. We're can trying. You, yeah. <laughs> can you name a few for everybody out there listening? Uh, one we just did. Um, I'm coming off of maternity leave, so the last one we did, at 35 weeks pregnant. I wasn't too excited about playing hot and sweaty, but we did Crawfish Festival. In Grow Bridge. Yeah. Grow Bridge, yeah. That was a fun one, but it was a hot one. It was a hot one. We did um, the 4th of July Festival in, here in Erath, um, and we've done a couple of things for the town of Abbeville, we have something coming up for them. Yeah, these, um, like, continuing our culture, uh, reviving it. Mm -hmm. There's a few festivals within it, like a series type of thing. Okay. And we played one before, and we're about to play another one October 1st. Yeah, it's called um, Grand Acadien, or the, the, uh, the, the, like the great reveal of, it's just getting in touch with Louisiana's Acadian culture. Sure. And so it's this, um, it's this program and they have different spots. Last year we did one in St. Martinville, and then this year we're gonna do one in, um, in Abbeville, right down the road. So it's put on by the same company? It's the same. It's an organization. It's an organization. Okay. Yeah. It's a cultural organization that has functions. Right, yeah. okay. right. And they're kind of, they have a kind of a, a, a similar, um, you know, I guess motive that we do, just trying to spread the culture and sure. recognize those things. Yeah. And then coming up soon, we have one in Lake Charles. The um, they're throwing a Southwest Louisiana culture thing and at Crying Eagle Brewery, mm -hmm. which would be interesting because we've never played in Lake Charles before. So, you know, that's making cool. our debut over there. So, I don't know how y'all make it to so many festivals and y'all are not both morbidly obese because I'm <laughs> sure the food out there is just phenomenal. It is good. But if you're playing, you can't eat. Right. <laughs> but you, you can't drink. And sweat it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I'm imagining too, um, since you're making it to these places, you're getting to see a ton of bands. I mean, oh, yeah. it's a grab bag, right? Yeah. You know what? Another. What's that one? And um, we played by Baton Rouge at St. Francisville. Oh yeah. Yeah. That one is a cool little festival. It's it's so small, like it could be so much bigger. Uh, it's so small and unique, but they have these folk musicians. You know, and we might have been the one of the only Cajuns. We probably been. were. They have a lot of like bluegrass, and mm -hmm. you don't see that too often down here. No. Yeah, and that was the uh, the Tunica Hills Music Festival Tunica Hills. in okay. St. Francisville, and it's um it's not too far of a drive. It's only like what two hours. And For it, us. Yeah, it was a cool little intimate setting and they had different stages around the town and like, like Carly said they have I mean they had us like 
with our style of music, but then they also have like singer songwriters. So it was a it was a cool little event. What's what's the name? What does it go by? The Tunica Hills Music Festival. Oh, okay, that's not just a location. No, and it's, a, is it like a block party style? You said they had stages around the town. Yeah, yeah it's in the park, and then across the street, one of their friends has this. He just set up the stage in his backyard. Uh -huh. He has a hill that goes down, which we don't have a lot of hills, so. We're like that. That's interesting. That's cool. Look at the And you could sit. You know, people would sit on the hill, and then ah, the stage was down. Yeah. So you know, we don't get that kind of experience. Cool. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Shade trees, nice stage. Yeah. Is that so? Is that something that's kind of unique? Being being uh, playing at a festival where you're not surrounded by more people playing the same style of music. From your area, I mean, is uh, playing in Alexandria had kind of been the most like eye-opening with whoa, because nobody really dances. Very yeah. few. You will get some people that will dance, and you're like, whoa, one couple danced. But down here, that's the norm. Yeah. You come in. I mean, unless they hide and you know they sitting in their lawn chairs like at Fourth of July, everybody's too hot. It's July. Sure. So you'll have some dancers, but that's understandable. Mm -hmm. But like up there, they they just don't know how, and it goes to show you how fast our culture is just going away, especially in some areas of the yeah. state. Sure. You know, and a lot of those French people traveled up north. It's not like a lot were here, but some traveled up, and it's you know, even the last name situation, like you were talking about. Yeah. They'll mispronounce a lot of French words that you think would stick, but you know. So no, it disintegrates. Because I never <laughs> yeah. spoke a lick. I, nobody ever spoke uh, French around me when I was coming up, and I never heard that twist on my own name pronunciation until later on in life. When, when you know, and they I look at me funny, and they're like, "Why do you say your last name wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that when you when I when I realized what your last name was, I was thinking like, "I wonder, I wonder how he pronounces it." Yeah. All those things. Yeah. But yeah. To, to your point, one of the one of the things, like as a bass player, when we play gigs, you know, I'm 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 just sitting there playing bass, doing my thing, and I get to sometimes look at the crowd, and um, I've noticed a couple of times when we do out of town gigs, that you'll see these different people, you know, they could be like, you know, you kind of dress the the kind of music that you like, or there's some, sure. some metal guys yeah, out there, tell. like country guys, and no matter how they look or what kind of music I might assume they look to, they hear our music and they're just kind of like, dude, this, this is. Like you can't help but just like move a little bit, or yeah. like enjoy it. Yeah. And so that's always a cool feeling to, yeah. to see. I, oh, you, oh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, it's funny with La Louisiane too because um, I rap in it. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and a lot of my kids or people around here know me as, oh, this, you know, the elementary music teacher who's like even dressed now, you mm -hmm. know, uh, looks a certain way or, and then I rap and I say, well, y'all didn't know me growing up. Yeah. You know, that I was influenced by that, like most young people are, too. But I remember one of my students, uh, his dad, finally listened to our little EP we put out. And um, I started a Zodico band with kids. Mm -hmm. So his dad comes and he sits and he's like, man, I just listened. And wow, like, you know, so <laughs> surprised yeah. because, you know, we don't always do things like we said, the traditional way. Right. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's up, everybody? Normally, in the middle of podcasts, they uh, give you a bunch of advertisements. But on the NewOrleansMusicians.com podcast, I shout out a member that has just joined. Today, we have for you Jerry Henderson. He's from the band Pyran. He's from New Orleans, currently living in New Orleans, and his genre is R&B. He's inspired by artists like James Brown, The Meters, and Curtis Mayfield. 
When I asked him what single factor played the biggest role in his decision to pursue a career in music, he just loves when he performs. Some of the places that you could find him performing are the Jazz and Heritage Festival, Bonnaroo, Spain, Brazil, Aruba, Germany, Paris, New York, LA, Chicago, Salt Lake City, Las Vegas, San Francisco, man this dude's been everywhere, Miami, San Antonio, everywhere in Colorado, Atlanta, and Knoxville. Very impressive, Mr. Uh, Jerry Henderson. He's got an album out right now. It's called Paran, Do What I Gotta Do. For everybody that's uh, north of the Mason-Dixon, that's spelled P-A-R-R-A-I-N. So a very special shout out to uh, Jerry Henderson. Hey man, New Orleans musicians got you back. I appreciate you chiming in. And here's an example of his work. Now back to our show. You know, I'm glad you had brought that up because um, I wondered about this myself. I can remember coming up and listening to such a variety of music. Now, I think everybody clings to their their golden years as the best era of music right, that of they course. would swear by. You know, but um, and, you know whatever that may be. But um, it just seems to me like when I look back, I feel like there were so many unique acts, different bands, and I did listen to, I would say, a well-rounded variety of genres. Whereas now, I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's the same. Like you don't think people, other people do the same? You think they stick to I, one genre? I, I think that's more a tendency now, because like one of you pointed out about um, how they dress, sort of tells you a little bit about yeah. what style of music they might listen to it becomes all-encompassing like you right. know I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm dressing this way because I listen to this style of music so you know I, I might use these slang terms and on and on mm -hmm. and on and it, it's kind of it, it's kind of an identifier which I mean we can all relate to certain genres of music to a certain extent more speak to us than others but at the same time I I wonder if people are listening to the variety of music that I look back and think to myself I, I I listened to a lot yeah. of, of genres, you know? Well, times are changing so fast. I mean, these kids probably listen to more TikTok video, you know, whatever music is on there available. I don't even know how all that works, really. But, you know, we didn't have access to so much technology. So, I mean, you yeah, had true. your CD or whatever radio right. station. MTV, when I was actually yeah. playing that was it. music yeah. videos. That was it. The way so you were, kind of forced, <laughs> you were kind of forced to listen to the variety. Right. I guess that's the way we grew up. Yeah, the way we consume music. You didn't have a choice of what you would play mm. on the radio unless you called right. in and requested, hey, right. play this. Yeah, yeah, I remember being, I remember thinking like when I was in like high school, like, man, if there's a way that I could just, or like a tape. Remember having like fast forward? Mm -hmm. There's like, man, I don't, I don't want to listen to the first three songs. I want to listen to number four. So like fast forward to yeah. whatever number four was and I remember thinking like man it would be so cool if I could just 
have like all my music and just listen to whatever song I want like we have today yeah like the way we consume music is totally different I think it affects the way that we our music choices too that's just a hunch but I mean just it's all it's presented to us in a different fashion that maybe in a roundabout way we all listen to like you said it kind of takes those choices away Total and vision. choices made you go for straight us. to what you want and nothing else right when you think about it now if, if there's no physical product and there's no such thing as a b-side you know or, or the the b-side hit you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying that there's there's no such thing as that anymore nope. i never really thought about it so i guess honestly uh, musicians have created an atmosphere out here where if you expect to be on par with other businesses in the region you're going to have some sort of live entertainment you know I would say so. I mean, and it's one of those things that, I, I, just personally speaking, you don't realize it until you maybe you go out of town and then it's kind of weird to be at a place where that's not a thing. So we're, we have um, just used to, whether it be like just a singer, like with a guitar outside playing some tunes or like a full on band. Sure. Um, I, maybe that's a way we kind of think we take for granted, but you know, not Absolutely. everybody, not every place has. No. That type of community. My sister's boyfriend and his mom just came in from Slovakia. She's mm. in school out there, and um, they went to Buck and Johnny's downtown. Bro Bridge. Bro Bridge. Mm -hmm. And they have the Zodico Brunch, and they said, man, it's loud, you know. I, they couldn't talk, and I said, well, that, that's not what that is, though. It's a Zodico. People go to dance to Zodico. They're not trying to eat. That's just a, a bonus, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it's a restaurant, so I think most people would say, okay, this is a restaurant. I'm going to eat at this restaurant. Right, right. Oh, there's music. Well, at this restaurant, it's like, no, there's music, but there's food. And you can snag after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. okay. yeah. Cool. I mean, who needs to talk? Well, Everybody's I mean, dancing. It's yeah. a party, like dancing, music, food, like yeah. what else? So it's just some, every place is different, but I mean, down here, that's that's the priority. Eat, eat, drink. You don't do it a whole lot of talking, you know? I think the further you go off the beaten path, at least in Louisiana, the further you go off the beaten path, the more things there are that are indigenous or inherent to that region. And like you said, if you, uh, maybe for a band that tours or somebody that's going on a vacation somewhere else, there's a lot of things. Yeah. You know, you might be outside for three hours and the birds haven't chirped and you didn't notice, but as soon as you realize it, you're like, what is going on? Right, right. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of things that disappear as you get down the road and away from away from Louisiana you know mm -hmm. and then you know we talked about us being school teachers but at this school um, there's another teacher who grew up well her dad was a farmer mm -hmm. so it's kind of the same situation where that that lifestyle was passed down and me too I, I mean I grew up on a crawfish farm in Pecan Island out there and you know you want to hold on to these traditions and um, after Rita with the salt water we had to sell ours so we don't have one but her parents um, they do they sugar cane all that stuff and we want to keep passing it down to these kids because they don't know and they don't understand. Like, our baby is not going to know what it's like to go to grandma's house and speak French because my parents don't speak. It was my grandma that spoke. And um, this other teacher, she actually has been bringing that into the school. So if you walk outside this door, there's a makeshift crawfish pond and rice to yeah. feed the crawfish right outside. Nice, cool. Yeah, like 20 feet right there. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, it's unique. The culture, like, a lot of, the, like, we're here to talk about the music, but... Um, a lot is involved, not just the music, the food, the language, you know. Yeah. Well, I think the, the music is a proponent uh, or gives you the ability to carry the culture forward. I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, churches use music to, to bring their message out. I think it's the same thing when you're trying to preserve sure. a culture. Yeah. And as far as you were saying that uh, your grandparents were the ones that spoke French, 
Um, I think people feel this the world over because I've asked a lot of people, is it just me or is it a lot of people? And it feels like the older generations were or are the people that held our family together. You know, what's left of them are still holding our family together. And as we move on and our generations move forward, uh, we kind of lose a little bit of that glue. And a little bit of that glue might have been, you know, more family functions, where more music was, traditional music or, you know, things that are, are um, uniquely yours. Right, you know? right. And uh, it's a shame. So it becomes, it becomes hard to, uh, to carry on that message or instill some sense of, uh, I mean, not, not just pride, but, you know, Tell, tell people where Identity. they came from. Exactly. Right. These, these young kids, they, they don't know. Yeah. But you know what? That, that's where La Louisiane came from. Our song, La Louisiane. Mm -hmm. um, it's about preserving our culture because I grew up with it, and then you hear it. If we're losing our culture and this and that, and then until it happens to you, then it's like, oh, crap. Because I know French is still out there, but it's not in my family because my grandma passed away. Right. So now I'm not going to, we're actually living in her house. I'm not going to her house on Sundays and speaking French. And that, that hurt me. You know, I was, you know, I wasn't happy when she passed away, but you know, my grandpa had died whenever I was young. So, you know, I wasn't like sad in that sense, but for our culture, I felt like I mourned that. And um, in La Louisiane, you know, a lot of the, the rap part that I was telling you about, that, that's a lot of frustration coming out. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it wasn't for me to sing. There is a part that I sing but a lot of frustration with um, with this Americanization that happened in 1921, forcing these people to go to school and only, you know, they banned French. That was 100 years ago. And, you know, to young kids, they hear that, and they, oh, that's a big number, but it, it really is not. Right. You know? In terms of generations. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, the song is more like, yes, we're victims in the, the, uh, of this, because I felt like it was ripped away from me. And if only they weren't abused for speaking French, then we would still have it. And I would still speak French and I wouldn't have to worry about passing it on my, to my kids. Well, now that's an issue in our family. Mm -hmm. What do I do with my kid? I put her in French immersion. You know, we try to learn as much French right. as we can, but it, it's frustrating. And teaching here, I noticed that a lot of kids and their parents and families, they're all dealing with the same thing. They feel the same way. They just um, kind of don't have the spokesperson to say what they're feeling. Yeah. So, you know, we put on music camps and uh, we packed the cafe in, in town two summers ago. We did a little music camp with kids playing. They got to choose accordion, fiddle, or acoustic uh, guitar. Mm -hmm. We played three songs. We only practiced three hours a day for four days and boom, put on a performance. Mm -hmm. so they sang in French. Mm -hmm. ah, you know, nice. and the, all the grandparents <coughs> came out and a lot of them were in tears because it was, I don't know, it was just so beautiful to hear their grandchildren. Because the ones that didn't learn, like my dad's generation, they called it lost generation. They didn't learn anything. And then to see their grandkids or great-grandkids in sure. some cases sing. It's a breath of fresh air. Right. Yeah. yeah. So our song La Louisiane, if you really sit back and listen to the words, um, there's a lot of frustration about losing our culture. But then in the end it says, you know what, we can keep uh, victims saying I'm a victim, we are, but that's not going to bring it back. You know, the government, 
they'll say, okay, we'll do French immersion in some schools, not all schools, um, and we'll do what we can, but they're not going to be the one that gets French back for our families. Well, they have no personal interest in it. Right. Some don't. Some really do. Uh, some don't. A lot of people, especially schools, it's all about test scores. And blah, blah, blah. I'm saying as far as the government providing for something like that, yeah. they oh, have right. no personal interest in it. Well, they do. It, yeah. um, I think they pay half the French immersion teacher's salary. Mm -hmm. um, you can petition to have it, but then again, you have to petition. Like, why do I need a petition? Just give it to our, you know that Cajun families are here. Why not provide it? But yeah, it is our government to some extent. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think... Louisiana kind of goes in, in and out of this cultural revolution, it seems like every few years, like this wave. And then I think, just from Cody's perspective, it, we kind of got to the point where it was like, you know, we're both risk takers, we're both kind of big ideas, we're both musicians. And so it was like, well, why don't we just do it? Let's just do it. Let's just start a band. Let's just... Start a band with the kids. Start a band with we kids. We're both music teachers. We have a platform to expose these kids to their roots and to the music and teach them those things and we do those things and through our band and through our band we're able to reach more people with culture as well and you know we, we laugh about you know people not knowing how to dance or even like pushing the genre but by doing those things um, you know we get to reach more people we get to put those feelers out there sure and then more people are like okay this is cool and then hopefully maybe inspire somebody we have inspired a good bit of kids yeah right to continue the culture but right. you know earlier we were talking about um it being passed down in the family well that's not it's happening in a few families i would say like we talked about little nate he's one that that was directly passed down from his dad and he's maybe a year or two older than me mm -hmm. so he's around you know the same age but a lot of that that's not happening anymore no, so much. I would say that's rare. And so yeah. um, there's a lot of people that say, you know, folk music needs to be passed down this way. And, you know, but with technology and where we are in life, if you continue to do it that way, we're really going to lose it because that's just not how it's happening anymore. Got to keep up so, with the time. So, you know, for us to, we're a lot of Louisiana, we're so upset about it, you know, that we can go out and do something about it. So that's kind of the, the message of La Louisiana is like, hey, yes, this happened. The first thing is acknowledging it, mm -hmm. that it did happen, and you need to know where you came from, your identity, and why we're losing it. So then you can address the issue and, you know, learn a few words a day and then use them. Yeah. yeah. Use your words. Sure. You and, know? and at the same time, it's, I think it's never going to get to the point to where everybody is just like, all right, here we are. The culture's back. It's one of those things like if you want it, you're going to have to go get it. You know, if you want it, you're going to have to participate in participate in which way ever you can. It could be something as simple as listening to the music, attending a French table, or, you know, whatever the resources are available. And if they don't have the resources you want, taking the initiative and, you know, building them yourself, kind of like what we've done with sure. our music. So Yeah. Um, getting back to the, uh, the local areas, live entertainment, um, I know you had mentioned the hideaway being owned by musicians, so they treat musicians well. That's what you said. Um, I wanted to ask you how you felt about other places in the area. Um, do you feel like the musicians are compensated appropriately, and you know, what's that scene like? Um, so I have the luxury of handling the business side of the band. Which the luxury. Is, yeah, right. And I say that. <laughs> With I'm the, the boss, the but they do all the work. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. I am 100% musician brain, so like business just kind of hits my face and falls off. Yeah. 
um, but I think it's that I think it's that common battle that musicians everywhere kind of fight. You know, you got to find that line, and we're in an area where there's a lot of where there's a lot of musicians, a lot of bands, which is great, um, but it, it can be competitive. But you know, I've I've only we've only been in one situation, and it was a venue out of town where they just straight up didn't honor what they said they were going to pay us. And so to answer your question directly, I, I feel as though that venues do pay fairly here and that we yeah, are treated they're well. Pretty fair. Yeah. It would always be nice to make more money. But oh, I absolutely. Mean, you know, it, a lot of people try to make it big or try to do this and that, and that would be nice, but I, I don't think that we're doing it for those reasons. It's, no. It's preserving our culture and, you know, we got started because we wanted it for our family or for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just a different kind of mindset. And the other spin of that is there's so many musicians that are trying to make it as a musician. and um, you As know, a sole means of, of support. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. And there's nothing wrong with that to each is, you know, but for us, we started out as, as teachers and, um, you know, that doesn't pay very well, but it pays the bills and it's, it's consistent. There's insurance involved, yeah. you know, whereas, um, so I think that, you know, we're in it for, I would say the right reasons mm -hmm. to have fun. And, and if we go really, really far that you were in it for that too, I cool. guess, but at the same time, um, that's not all it is sure where i think some some musicians they they'll fight with their pay because that's their only source of income and uh, you know it's a bickering back yeah. and forth and trying to negotiate things and if it's for we do a lot of events like the french immersion event in um new iberia we did for not that much of pay yeah. it just uh, you know it depends on what it's for yeah and that's true and then there's also a lot of opportunities to play as well so you mentioned yeah. the, the how many festivals, festivals there are, yeah. And, and the festivals I've found, in my opinion, pay pay well, um, and you know there's plenty of there's plenty to go around. So again, yeah, I think um, I have no other than one venue. I have no right, and that negative speak issues. For everybody. Right, right. Every time we get our contracts, we look at it and go. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. You know, we never think like, oh, we need to get paid more. Yeah, as long as I'm not paying somebody to play, then I think we're <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. So nothing in there about only yellow M&Ms? <laughs> no, no, not yet at least. Not, not yet, okay. <laughs> now we've heard the opposite with some musicians are hard to deal with. You know, they need certain things on the stage. And I guess if they made it that far that they can say that we're just not those people. Right. Yeah. You know, we want to, we go hang out with the sound guys and we like to joke about you know the fortoir saying French yeah. words and you know we have knock shawls on the drums so everything's everything's a joke. Yeah, we really do try to keep it pretty chill, and we do. We don't yeah. try to. Yeah. that's just who we are. You know. So yeah, we don't demand and you know. Part of it just because we. How's the um, how's the the uh, I guess the two atmospheres compare between um, playing a, a nightclub and playing a festival? Obviously, physically, it's night and day probably literally but um mm -hmm. i mean as far as the company you keep and and uh how how the program goes for the evening and do you have a preference and uh, you know what do you notice about the differences between the two i i much rather prefer festivals i like the atmosphere i like um you know you always get to mingle with other musicians i think that's a cool thing to do so you know growing up you you love listen to this kind of music you like Wayne Toops I mean that's just that's just how it is and so um, 
you know, you, it's cool to be able to see him and like say like, hey, I know that guy or like something like, I don't know him, but I'm just saying like, you see him, he's oh, backstage. Yeah. Um, and then, you, you know, there's always food and drinks back there too. Or like at Crawfish Festival, you know, when we came off the stage, my accordion teacher was at the bottom and his accordion teacher yeah. was going on stage. Mm. You know, so it's just that uh, festivals are just cool because you're trading in and out. Right, and then it's just the crowd is cool. It's just, yeah, everybody's there to have a good time. and. I would imagine you have more of a chance to, to pull in some new, you new do. eyes and ears you do. playing festivals. Especially for us, because, I mean, we're, we're fairly new. We've only really been together since 2019, and then, you know, COVID hit, so. two of those years were pandemic years. And yeah. so, you're right, the festivals are like a built-in crowd, and, you know, there's always people that are like, hey, man, I enjoyed your music. Um, where can I hear more? And then, yeah. you know. Uh, you mentioned, I wanted to make sure and put it out there, but I uh, wanted to ask you a couple of things about it, too. You mentioned that uh, your band has a website. We do. It's PoissonRougeMusic.com. It's P-O-I-S-S-O-N-R-O-U-G-E Music.com. And on that website, you can find our um, EP demo with four songs on it. Um, it links to Spotify, era, uh, not era, uh, YouTube Music, Apple Music, all that stuff. Sure. Uh, pictures, bios, all the normal things that you would need. We will be in the studio in like a week. Next weekend. To record our first full-length album. Mm, and then, cool. so that'll be, thank you. That'll be, um, you know, we're looking for a 30-day release date. So sometime maybe October or November-ish. And that'll be uploaded on the site as well. Cool. As soon as that comes out. I would imagine being at a festival with those in hand will be uh, an asset yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That'd be cool. All right, I think we're about done unless y'all had something to add. You good? I'm good. Yeah? yeah. All right, excellent. Hey, this is Levi from Mesler, Southern Brutality in 1016. Look, man, we all started off as jam bands. Get together, we push our souls all throughout the speakers, man. Simple as that. The connections that we form with our crowds and following is nothing like any other. We'd love to have you back. Click that on button, show your support, or you can check us out at Buy Me a Coffee. Backslash? Backslash? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Buy Me a Coffee, backslash. Backslash. That's Buy Me a Coffee, backslash, the music. I said, Buy Me a Coffee, backslash, the music. I have spoken. Yeah, 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 yeah.